Up next, Safe Space. This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space, a live show devoted to subjects that are hard to talk about because they make us feel vulnerable, afraid, or ashamed. This week is the second in a series on men's sexuality. My guest tonight is Susan Ramsey, and we're going to be talking about prostate surgery, the pelvic floor, and men's sexuality. Susan Ramsey has been a physical therapist for 27 years. She's the owner of Holistic Physical Therapy Services Incorporated here in South Portland, Maine. Holistic Physical Therapy specializes in pelvic floor rehab, oncology rehab, and complex orthopedics. Her business is the largest provider of pelvic floor physical therapy, that's right, pelvic floor physical therapy, in New England with seven pelvic floor physical therapists on her staff. Welcome to Safe Space, Susan. Good to see you, Dr. Ann. You are, and th- you are the first guest that I've ever had three times on my show, so I want to just acknowledge you for that. <laughs> it's an honor. You're such a delicious person to interview. Oh, I have so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> we're really going to be focusing tonight on prostate surgery and what the impact of having your prostate removed is on men's sexuality. But before we get into that, I want to just start by asking you, what is the pelvic floor? What does it do? Where? How does it relate to the prostate gland? Absolutely. Well, Dr. Ann, often we don't even think that men have a pelvic floor. We think of the pelvic floor and women, but the pelvic floor is as important for men as it is for women. And it has three primary functions. The first is supportive. It supports the rectum, the bladder, It supports the intestines, so it really holds everything up, so to speak. It has a sexual function that's very important. The pelvic floor muscles aid in erection and ejaculation, and they're also very important for pleasure. And the third function is the pelvic floor closes openings. So after urinating, the pelvic floor muscles close around the urethra, and that allows us not to dribble urine. And the pelvic floor muscles close around the anus so that we don't leak feces or bowel. So very important muscles. No kidding. So support, sexual function and pleasure, yes. and, and the prevention of incontinence. Absolutely. And so tell, tell me about the prostate gland. How does it relate to all that? Well, the prostate gland is this really beautiful gland that's located deep in the male pelvis, and it's behind the pubic bone, it's in front of the rectum, and it's below the bladder. And what it does is it provides nutrition to the sperm. And the prostate wraps around the urethra, and has a large vein on top and two nerves that affect erectile function on either side of it. So in other words, it's very hard to get it out without affecting the nerves. Very difficult. And therein lies the problem. Exactly. So, you know, I know that when I was in medical school, we, we were taught that prostate surgery led to erectile dysfunction in almost everybody who ever had it. I know that's that they've done a lot of work now in nerve-sparing procedures and so on. How many men, after they have prostate surgery, you know, can expect to have some difficulties at the beginning? Well, up to 80% of men experience erectile problems after a prostatectomy. However, 76 of men that 76% of men that are younger than 60 will regain their ability to have an erection. 
Oh, that's great. Yes. It goes so 76% of those 80% that had a problem to begin with. Yes, will be able to have an erection. Uh-huh. As men age, the percentage goes down. So it, men between the age of 60 to 65, 56% of those men will be able to have an erection. And 47% of men older than 65 will be able to have an erection. Now, we have to remember that recovery depends on the ability of these men to have an erection prior to the surgery. Right. The surgery will not give you something you did not have yes, beforehand. Yes, it won't. It won't. Right. But so those those statistics really are dramatic in showing the importance of age. Yes. And, and why is that? Well, there's many factors. Certainly our area of expertise is the pelvic floor and the musculoskeletal and neuromuscular aspects. The pelvic floor has a huge role in erection and ejaculation. So as men age, their muscles get weak. And again, these are internal muscles. So they're muscles that need to be kept strong throughout the lifespan. And as those muscles are strong, circulation and nerve supply and muscle control are all the parameters and factors in uh, in aging for all of us. So if a man is older, but his pelvic floor muscles are strong, he would have a much lower risk of erectile dysfunction? A, a potentially a lower risk of erectile dysfunction and certainly more ability to feel. The pelvic floor carries all the sensory nerves and the motor nerves. So pleasure is, is really a sensory experience. The stronger the muscle, the more high the blood flow is and the nerve supply and the signals to the brain are just moving faster and there's more of a connection between your mind and your body, which is really important in sexuality. It's so interesting because I never really thought about that, that using a muscle more would lead to more sensation. Oh, much more sensation and so much more pleasure. It's unbelievable how much more pleasure. It's so striking because that's not in, that's not really how we think of our muscles. We don't, especially muscles that are taboo like the <coughs> pelvic floor that we don't even think about or that we have all kinds of, of feelings of shame and, and guilt and repression. We're not in a culture that really celebrates the pelvic floor. No, <laughs> not yet, although you are not on yet. a one-woman mission. Not yet, yes. <laughs> Our practice is definitely on a mission for <laughs> pelvic floor celebration. That's right. If there's anyone who can do it, Susan, That's right. you are the person. <laughs> um, okay, so, you know, it's so interesting because when we talked last spring about women's sexuality, yes. you were you know, you actually taught me on the air how to do a Kegel yes. exercise to strengthen the pelvic floor. That's right. And can men do Kegels? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So how, tell me more about that. Well, there are several ways that uh, men can learn how to do a pelvic floor muscle exercise. The easiest way for men to learn, and I'm going to tell you a very simple technique, um, and most men completely get this right away, you would inhale, and as you exhale, you would try to raise your flag. So you try to elevate raise your flag. Raise your flag. <laughs> so you you want to elevate your penis with the pelvic floor muscles and see if you can lift your penis up towards your navel. Towards okay, so your you're, navel. just to be clear here, mm-hmm. we're not talking about erection. We're just talking no, about raising. We're it. talking about the in your mind imagining lifting up or actually lifting up, depending how strong you are. Uh huh. Okay. So, so start at the beginning because yeah. I got a little distracted That's by right. the flag. <laughs> right. So you would inhale. So you breathe prepare. in first. Okay. And as you exhale, <clears throat> you would gently contract the muscles up towards your belly button as if you're raising your penis upward. 
And that's what a Kegel is. That's the equivalent. Yes, that's, and you certainly can also, you know, the pelvic floor is this beautiful bowl, so you can focus on different parts of it. For men that have ED or incontinence, that ED being erectile uh, dysfunction, or urine incontinence, we would focus a little bit more on the front part of the pelvic floor muscles. People that have some bowel issues would be focusing a lot about tightening the muscles around the anus. But Uh the key is it's a lift up. And that's what's often missing. It's not a squeeze. That's a misnomer. It's a squeeze and a lift up. And that lift up is really important. Okay, now just like with any kind of weightlifting, I know there's controversy about number of repetitions versus how long you hold it. Well, and that's that's where physical therapy comes into play. So it's never one size fits all in terms of muscles. If someone has profound weakness or weakness, we would assess their muscle strength, and we would gently and gradually put our clients on a strengthening program. Now, the pelvic floor muscle muscles, are they, do, they have two roles. They're endurance. They hold, but they also close those openings. So there's several different exercises we would give our clients so that they would be focusing on both fiber types. And the we closing use, type and the long... The closing type are quick. Uh-huh. The, those fibers close around the openings very quickly. 20% of the pelvic floor is made up of those fibers. The holding fibers, 80% of the pelvic floor are endurance. So, so like when you're either a long-distance or a short-distance runner, ex- fast twitch. Same thing, Dr. Ann. Exactly the same thing. <laughs> okay, so, um, and if a person, if a guy comes in, he's had surgery, he's a little bit older, and he has pelvic floor weakness. Yes. And it's hard for him to raise his flag. Yes, exactly. Um, How do you help him begin to strengthen that? I mean, how do you help him even isolate the muscles? Well, we use biofeedback, which is an amazing tool. Biofeedback lets, we would put electrodes on the outside around the anus. And the biofeedback unit has a screen. So we can, as we ask the client to squeeze and lift their pelvic floor muscles, you can see the contraction as a visual visual image on the screen. You can see like how strong it is? You can see how strong it is. And it's very, very um, exciting for people to learn how to use their own muscles. So they get to visually see their own muscles contract. Very powerful tool for strengthening and for really really getting that connection going strongly between the body and mind. So this is a way to help a person know like, okay, I'm doing it right because that was yes. strong. And then, oh, that I'm not, that's not the right exactly. way. Exactly. And you can also target, you know, you could say, hey, squeeze harder, get up to this level. I mean, it's really a coaching tool. And, and human beings tend to be competitive. I, I've never hooked anyone up to biofeedback and they weren't really competitive. You know, <laughs> trying to beat the computer. Trying to beat the computer. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, so and um, can a man take this home and practice it at home, or does yes. he have to do it at your house? At your, uh, at at your house. house. <laughs> <laughs> um, what we do is we would um, have people come in. Again, it depends on how serious the weakness is. Everyone starts right away on a home program. The goal is that our men learn right away what to do, and they follow through, and we keep assessing their strength. And then we make it more challenging, and we have them work in different positions. And again, ultimately, we would have people in standing. We might have people running if they're athletes or they want to get back to running. You know, whatever that is, we work with people, you know, where they're coming from. So you can you have people doing Kegels while they're running? Oh, absolutely. 
absolutely. If they're a runner, that sounds sort of complicated. Um, it takes some practice, but it's very doable. It's a lot of things you got to be keeping in mind. Absolutely. Huh. But I suppose, you know, if you're worried about incontinence, which I know is a separate issue. Yes. Running or jumping or any of those kind Laughing, of activities. Laughing, sneezing, coughing. Right. You really do need to know how to close openings. Yes. And, it, you know, the beauty is that it doesn't take very long. And education is really crucial. And once you teach a client, you know, in this case, a man that might have incontinence or they might have ED, then they know what to do forever. It's just sort of like learning to ride a bike. When, once yes. you've got it, you've got it. Yeah. You know, and our... our this is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne. This is Safe Space. And I'm talking to Susan Ramsey about erectile dysfunction and, and a lot of hopeful treatment that can be available through physical therapy if, if you're suffering from erectile dysfunction after that surgery. So I actually want to shift gears a little sure. bit now and ask Absolutely. you, you know, um, erectile dysfunction is such a painful subject and such a personal one. Yes, it is. Um, do you have a sense that that all the men that could benefit are actually getting this treatment? Well, they're not. And, and for me, that is truly the tragedy. Because, again, a little bit of education goes such a long way in empowering men to take control of their own body after prostate surgery or radiation. So education prior to the surgery is so beneficial for men but the culture, the culture isn't thinking about prevention or what we can do before the fact. So, so we often see people afterwards. So the education beforehand would mean, you know, start doing your Kegels before the surgery? And getting the education, how to, what we call a pelvic brace, how to use the pelvic floor muscles so that when you cough or sneeze or lift, how to use them properly so that you won't leak. There's so many educational behavioral strategies that are very easy to learn. That would save men a year, a year or more of leakage if they only had the practice and understood what to do. Yeah. You know, um, I know that Viagra has done a great deal yes. for having erectile dysfunction even be something we can talk about now yes. because people feel hopeful and Bob Dole came out about it. And, he you know, did. He was very courageous in doing that. Um, do you think that the advent of Viagra has almost, though, reduced people you know, exploring some of the things they can actually do with their own muscles and strengthening themselves because they just think a pill will fix the problem? I think two things. One is that pharmaceutical companies spend so much money promoting a product and physical therapy practices or physician practices cannot compete with that level of money coming in to really promote what's very clinically effective. And, and second, Viagra's wonderful and Cialis, it's wonderful, but they've done quite a bit of research that shows that have had two men in two different groups, one doing pelvic floor muscle exercises and the other group just using Viagra, and they find essentially the same result. So, so much of it, because really Viagra is bringing circulation to the pelvic floor muscles and to the penis and helping it engorge. And that is the role of the pelvic floor muscles as well. So I think a combination, one or a combination would give the best clinical results. And presumably Viagra only works when you're taking it. Yes. It doesn't actually help you when you're not taking it. Doesn't. It doesn't. Whereas pelvic floor therapy will give you something that lasts. Absolutely. And it lasts a lifetime. And it's less expensive. Yes. Oh, much less and expensive. And it can be more spontaneous. Yes. 
So there's a number of factors. And if a, a man is married, he and his wife can do pelvic floor muscle exercises together. <laughs> <laughs> a new definition of foreplay. That's right. <laughs> if it works, it works. It does. <laughs> so... Um, I can also imagine that for some men, this is just incredibly vulnerable to come in and talk to you about this difficulty and to have electro. I mean, you said electrodes around his anus. That's very, that's a very vulnerable thing. How do you help put men at ease um, so that they're willing to do this and Mm -hmm. feel comfortable? Well, I think two things. One, we have the most compassionate staff um, that I've ever worked with. So... And we have an, a beautiful, safe space. Our facility is private. It is, everyone has a beautiful treatment room. There are beautiful sheets and plants and art. Aesthetically, it's a very beautiful, safe space. And so people coming in immediately feel that. Once they actually come in, men will come in, and once the evaluation gets started and they really see how gentle the physical therapists are, because most men have the experience of working with someone who's doing a prostate check and they're very rough and it's very quick and there's nothing slow or gentle about this process. But with our staff, we're very slow, we're very gentle, we explain everything we're doing and why we're doing it. And I have to say, a lot of our male clients will say they hate coming in, but they love coming in. Right. I can I yeah. can understand both sides Absolutely. of that. And so another piece of... Um, the, the sort of side effects of prostate surgery, I know, are incontinence. And yes. I wonder, can you help with that? Oh, you know, incontinence is the easiest to treat. I have to, I love, we love working with incontinence because, relatively speaking, it's very easy to treat when there isn't a lot of nerve damage. So, stress incontinence is the most common kind of incontinence right after any type of prostate intervention. That's, again, we talked about that leaking with coughing or sneezing. And, you know, the the sad piece is that after the first year, after a year following the surgery, 15 to 50% of men still have urinary issues. And if they had rehab, the, the numbers would be dropping dramatically. I see. So those statistics are if they didn't have physical therapy. If they didn't have physical therapy. So from our point of view, when we get to see men, you know, as soon as possible and just get them started on their home program, you know, again, they're empowered. Their quality of life is improving. They're not leaking. And leaking is very shameful for men, especially if it's urine, but especially fecal or bowel, which is not uncommon, especially with radiation. Right, so radiation is more likely to cause that than the surgery yes. would be. Yes. Uh, right, but talk about that, something that would get in the way of sexual intimacy. Oh, it does. It does. There's a real shutting down um, of, again, of dignity, and couples really struggle for a while. I'm sure that's true. Yes. Well, it changes your sense of self-image. Uh, this is Dr. Ann. This is Safe Space. I'm talking to Susan Ramsey about the impact of prostate sur- surgery on sexuality. The other thing I wonder about is just the impact of having a cancer diagnosis and the impact on a sense of hope, a sense of virility, masculinity. Absolutely. And, do, I, and I know you're not doing psychotherapy, you're doing physical therapy, but do the men talk to you about that? Do your patients talk about some of the emotional consequences of this? Men will tell us how it impacts how they feel about themselves. And, 
And the beauty of having a safe treatment space is people really are authentic about their feelings. You know, women would tend to come in and cry. Men tend to come in and just slowly open up and discuss what's happening and are very hopeful when you can provide very specific things for them to do. Very important to give men very specific objectives because men just take off and run with it. There's so much hope in that. Yes. Yeah. So, so if a sort of typical patient comes into you, they've mm-hmm. had surgery, mm-hmm. um, how soon after surgery can they start their treatment? Depends on the surgeon. Usually within six to eight weeks. Oh, so quite long. Well, some surgeons will let you start immediately. It just depends on the severity of of how much they had to remove, how many lymph nodes they had to remove. I mean, it really varies from surgeon to surgeon. How much swelling there is. All how that. much swelling there is. It's interesting, though, because you know, I just actually was in the hospital yesterday visiting a friend who had a knee replacement. They had her walking the same day as the surgery. Absolutely. Well, the theory is, and, and we like this to happen, is you can start to gently engage the pelvic floor muscles, but in terms of really starting on a rehab course where there's going to be more muscle contraction, uh, we tend to wait a little bit and, and wait on the surgeon. But right away, people can start to engage those muscles. They just are not going to be on a, on a full-fledged strengthening program. Using them, yes. Connecting with them, yes. Got it. Okay, so they come into you maybe six or eight weeks out, initially having some erectile dysfunction maybe or some incontinence and how long a course of treatment might a man expect to have you know it really it varies on the level of weakness dr ann if someone just has mild weakness they might come in for six visits altogether if someone has more serious weakness it could be 3 4 months it really just depends on the individual and the uh-huh. severity of so the so 3 weakness. to 4 months is the longest they'd expect um, it, again, it really varies. Yeah. Our practice focuses on core strengthening as well. So the pelvic floor attaches to the spine, and the deep abdominal muscle, the transverse abdominus, attaches to the spine and also connects with the pelvic floor. So we do a lot of work with strengthening those core muscles, which really, really helps in recovery and also helps in preventing further issues from happening in the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. And do you ever involve the spouse? Oh, it, we love to involve the spouse. Um, it's certainly so much easier when you have the spouse involved. Sometimes the spouse may not know that the client is coming for rehab. So it just depends. You see, it just depends on the person's level of privacy and what they do or don't want to expose. How often do you find that um, someone goes into the surgery so afraid that they might lose their ability to have an erection and, and that it's hard to actually tell afterwards how much of this is physical and how much of it is psychological because they're, they're so afraid, their anxiety is so high that it's hard to get an erection even if they had, didn't have the surgery? Absolutely. Well, and I think that's the, the key to that body-mind connection is once you start, again, that's why biofeedback is so beautiful. Once you start to show people that they have strength, that they can progress, it definitely affects you mentally. And when you develop that connection between your mind and your body, anxiety tends to drop. It doesn't go away, but it tends to drop. You know, it's interesting. My clinical experience is more working with women with pelvic floor issues, say having had a history of sexual trauma, right. where concentrating 
on sensation in the pelvic floor area is sometimes very uh, fraught. It yes. just brings up a lot of feelings, anxiety, grief. Do, do you find that with your men patients at all? Is it ever kind of very complicated for them to focus their attention on sensation there? And again, that is so variable, Dr. Ann. I would say that it's less fraught for our male clients than a lot of our women clients in terms of really focusing on sensation. The nice thing about the pelvic floor is you can focus privately. You can exercise quietly. No one would ever know you were doing it. You can feel pleasure in the pelvic floor at any time during the day. So again, it's individual, it's private, and yet very powerful. Mm -hmm. You don't have to tell anybody that you're feeling pleasure in your pelvic floor. It belongs to you. <laughs> right. I mean, it seems also really striking to me that how, how effective this is. Yes. Is there, you know, among the medical community, among urologists, is this widely known? Well, yes and no. Um, in our area, for example, there's some wonderful urologists who have a strong rehab focus and very, you know, holistically oriented, thinking about not just the surgery, but the quality of life afterwards and really really thinking about things in, in a whole way. And there are many surgeons who are surgeons and they're not, they're not rehab-based. They've handled the cancer, they've done their job, and, they, you know, and they're complete with it. Right, and so those patients might not get the referral, might not. Or they, they wouldn't even know that we exist. Right, yes. exactly. So there's still there's some public education work. There's a lot of public education that and advocacy that needs to be done. And are there prostate cancer support groups in the there area? There are. There are several prostate cancer support groups. We've been to many. And it's a wonderful way to, again, to educate, to empower to be there for support and a lot of education about anatomy and function and what you can do. Yes. So, um, you know, one of the take-home messages for me certainly is that men need to be doing their Kegels. Yes. And that they need, that they could do them before the surgery. Yes. That that could be really helpful. Are there any other, since, you know, are there any other things that would be really helpful for people to know um, in advance yeah, you know, I really think it's about being linked to providers, to healthcare providers who are clinically skilled, who really know what they're doing, and who really uh, value the client and really support that client in being completely empowered and to go into any surgery, either before or after, with as much knowledge and information as possible, because truly information is power in this case. And, and lastly, if you were to work with a man who really did have extensive nerve damage mm -hmm. and it looks like they're not going to be able to get their erection yes. back, are there things that you can still do to help them? I think there are ways to help men and women connect, again, with their pelvic floor to enhance their sensation. Again, the pelvic floor is very, it, it's, I kind of look at it as a sensual organ, but it takes practice to be able to experience that. In other words, even without an erection, the man can still have sensation, oh, can absolutely. still feel pleasure. Absolutely. It's funny how little we think about that in our culture, yes, we where it's don't. so erection-focused. We are very focused. So the penis, it's, that feels really important. Maybe a note to close on, the penis can really still feel pleasure Yes. in the absence of erection. Absolutely. 
Susan, thank you so much for being my guest tonight. I want to ask you if someone out there would like to reach you, and how can they find you? They can uh, just go to our email, our website, www.holisticpt.com, holistic with an H, or they can call us at 207-879-7510. Why don't you say that number one more time? 207-879-7510, and I'd be glad to speak to them. Susan, thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Ann. My thanks, too, to Jen Hodgson for mixing the sound and Maurice Lennon for the music, although we were without the music tonight, so sorry, Maurice. My name is Dr. Ann. This is Safe Space. We've been talking about the um, long-term effects of prostate surgery after prostate cancer and how physical therapy can really help with that. Next week, I'll be talking to Deborah Dana about uh, sexual perpetration as part of our series on men, male sexuality. If you'd like to contact me to get more information or to suggest a new topic for the show, please email me at drannwmpg at gmail.com. That's dr.annewmpg at gmail.com. Coming up next is Money Talks with Allison. Actually, again, Money Talks is not here this week. We'll be having music with Eric coming up soon.